You're listening to the Biz Library Podcast, a weekly discussion of important topics that affect both HR and learning and development professionals. Biz Library is dedicated to creating the best and most complete online learning solution that both engages employees and drives business results. For more resources like this podcast, be sure to head over to our website where you'll find up-to-date ebooks, infographics, and other resources, as well as SHRM and HRCI-approved webinars focused on creating better workplaces through great human resource practices and employee development. Hello and welcome to the Biz Library Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Smith. And I'm Katie Miller. So uh, Katie's here sitting in for Hannah, who is at the doctor's right now, um, hopefully waiting on news about her baby. Um, But we're happy to welcome, in the meantime, Stella Grisant. Stella, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to join us. My pleasure. So happy to be here. Absolutely. Uh, Just so our audience gets a better idea of who we have the pleasure of speaking with today, uh, Stella Grisant is a happiness expert, executive coach, and speaker. As the founder of WUPA, she, did I say that right? Uh, yep. Okay, good. Yep. Uh, two for two. She works with overachievers who are seeking deeper career fulfillment and with organizations who are dedicated to elevating the well-being of their employees. In the last 13 years, Stella has coached over 1,400 individuals in 21 countries. Some of Stella's corporate clients include Google, Johnson & Johnson, VMware, Aramark, and Genentech. Stella's unique approach to being happier and more engaged on the job has been featured in the media, including MSNBC, The Today Show, Curiosity.com, NPR, Entrepreneur, Vanity Fair, Fox News, and ABC, and of course the Biz Library podcast now. Uh, Stella was one of the first 150 people in the world to earn a master's in applied positive psychology, which is the science of happiness, from the University of Pennsylvania. She holds a bachelor's in economics from Barnard College, Columbia University. She now lives in New Jersey with her husband and toddler, who continue to teach her what life is all about. It's quite a resume there. You can see why we're so excited to have you. Today we're talking about mastering difficult conversations at work, um, which I don't associate with happiness. Um, but we're talking about sort of a webinar that you presented, a very successful one. Um, before we get started, can you sort of outline what you talked about in your webinar a little bit? Sure. So, you know, the number one predictor of our happiness is not how much money we make or how successful we are or even how healthy we are it's actually the quality of our relationships. And if we're spending most of our waking hours at work, the people at work really matter when it comes to our overall well-being and happiness and satisfaction. And the thing is, in terms of our own development and our growth and our own success, we can't just do it alone, right? We need other people. We need to ask for the raise. We need to get put on a certain project. We need to have the support of others, right? And so all along the way, there's tricky little nooks and crannies where there's friction and there's passive aggressive madness and there's hesitance and insecurity and worry and coming home and ruminating about what did he say when he gave me that feedback? So we're we're, we almost obsess about, you know, how do I, you know, what do I say? When do I say it? Did I say it okay? Or maybe I shouldn't even speak up at all. And so we can end up driving ourselves crazy. And so the point of this whole webinar that we just did is to really help um, appease 
the fear and the worry and all the resistance to having those conversations and to really help you not only have the conversation, but really show up authentically, powerfully, kindly to really get the results you want. And so that's kind of what we talked about. Awesome, Stella. I know um, we talked a lot about people that are maybe non-confrontational. I myself am one that tries to shy away from conflict at all means possible. So what are some tips if someone hasn't watched the webinar that uh, someone that maybe is lacking that confidence to take on conflict can learn from? I love that question. And I work with clients all the time who are very similar, Katie. They're just, um, they, it, it, it creates a lot of anxiety thinking about maybe upsetting someone else. And so then there's this desire to avoid really talking about what's bothering you. And it is scary because you don't know how the other person's going to respond. In some cases, you're worried about job security or is this person going to like me or is this going to compromise my ability to do this project, whatever. So there is a lot of risk. And what I always encourage people to think about when they go into uh, that conversation or that exchange is that it's not a confrontation, it's a conversation. And that is immediately, I hope, helps shift some awareness that your speaking your truth is in no way a confrontation. And the number one thing that matters most when you go into this conversation is not what you say, it's how you say it. Because your energy is everything. As human beings, our emotions are contagious. And so if you're going into that conversation full of anger or resentment or feeling pity for yourself, feeling like a victim of your circumstances, that really transmits. And on an unconscious level, other people are receiving your signal and they will respond to that signal, not the words coming out of your mouth. And so the most important thing is readying your energy so that you go into that conversation feeling like your most powerful, authentic, and also generous, empathic self. Because if you go into this really seeking to let your truth be known and to understand this other person's truth, you will come out of that conversation astounded with how almost glorious life can be. Like I've had people who have just resisted talking to their boss. He won't get it. He's not the kind of person who will get it. There's no way he'll understand. This is going to ruin our relationship. Um, he's a micromanager. He's not that kind of leader. And then, you know, we do the work and the conversation ends up taking 20 minutes and, you know, my client's reality shifts like 360 degrees, like it's, or 180 or whatever it is, <laughs> it completely flips. So, so, you know, um, we were saying how sometimes we don't associate difficult conversations with happiness, but I think if we actually show up right, they can actually bring us closer to a sense of um, joy and and beauty and unity with others more than we've ever, ever experienced. So there might be a lot of icky stuff surrounding it, but if you do it well, 
um, it breaks through and you're like, oh my God, life is amazing. So I do, I do feel that is possible for all of us. Very cool. Um, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I'm wondering then, prior to this conversation, it almost seems like the, the legwork you do up until then is most of the hard work, is the, the min- mindset, uh, preparing yourself for, for being empathetic. What are some ways that you, you prepare your clients for having that conversation, much less having the conversation? That is a really great question. So what the number one thing, like I said, is your energy. And so uh, Adam Galinsky, he's a researcher at Columbia Business School, and he's done a lot of research on speaking up. And one of the things he talks about how is each of us has what's called an acceptable range of behavior, where it's this range where it's cool if we speak up, it's actually cool if we don't. Like we're so, you know, sometimes you don't have to speak up because it's all right. And so when the the number one in the the number one thing that makes or changes that acceptable range of behavior is your power. It's how powerful are you in your own eyes and how powerfully are you showing up in other people's eyes. Well, we can't always influence other people's perceptions, but we can influence our own perception of ourselves. And so the question is, how do we amplify our power so that I can expand that range of acceptable behavior where I feel like it's easy and cool if I speak up, or I can also stay quiet and not suffer any um, ramifications. When people, and this happens a lot for women in the workforce, um, where they don't maybe experience a lot of power. They're damned if they do, they're damned if they don't. If they speak up, they might be perceived as too bossy or too pushy. Um, but if they if they stay quiet, then there may be a push over and not confident enough. And so that's called a, a low um, a low power double bind. And so what we want to do is expand that for everyone. And so the question is, how do we expand our power? And the number one way to expand your own sense of power, your own confidence in the most organic way possible, I believe, is to start showing up as the person you actually want to be. And so let me explain that because that's kind of a little like vague, right? So a lot of times when we go into these conversations, we're really focused on what do we need to say or how do how do I make this seem like it's in their interest or how do I make how do I not hurt their feelings? And so we're we're entangled in the words and 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 how people are gonna interpret everything. And the thing is that what we need to be focused on is really showing up as the person we wanna be instead of worrying about what do other people want us to be. And when it comes to how do we want to be, it's very important for you to get clear on what is it like when I'm my most activated, engaged, alive self? What are the conditions that are set up for me when I am just on a roll, when I am feeling completely myself at home with a capital H, like I am on top of my game? when I just feel like the the birds are just singing all around me and the world is in technicolor bright colors. What, what, what is that? Like, how am I being? And so I ask my clients to get really clear on 
how are you in that state, describing how you're feeling, what are the conditions that are set up, so that what we can do is we can start getting you closer to that state. I call that state your vision. It's an expression of you in your most alive state. And the reason why we want to get clear of what you're like in your most alive state is because that's the destination we want to be moving towards. And so often these conversations end up being about stuff that you think you want, but it's not really what you really, really want. We get caught up in thinking that we need maybe more power or more money or more recognition, but is that really going to make you happy? Because I work with a lot of overachievers who achieve everything they set their hearts on, but then at the end of the day, they're underwhelmed. And so before you go into this conversation, before you speak out of anger or frustration or whatever, I want you to do your work. I want you to get clear on how you want to be and start working towards that. Because what happens with a lot of my clients is sometimes they don't even need to have the conversation. Because when you start acting like that person you want to be, people start responding to you differently. And so what happens is you might not even need to say anything. Things will start to open up for you. For example, another a client of mine right now, uh, she's, she's doing a program called the Work Happiness Method. It's a coaching program that I do. And she feels like her bosses don't appreciate her. They've been denying her a raise. They haven't given her the title they promised her six months ago. And they're not really appreciating how much she does. So she's been doing this work actively getting clear on her values, expressing them. And suddenly her bosses are inviting her to uh, meetings they never invited her to. They're, they're getting her support. They're hiring her an assistant. So they're taking things off her plate. So this is all amazing stuff. And it's not really, it's just starting to flow in there. So, so I always say step one is get clear on who you want to be and start acting that way. When you start acting that way, what happens is you will start to recognize, oh, I actually have more control over my circumstances than I thought. Like, oh, it's important for me to be creative. I didn't get that creative project I thought I would, but you know what? I'm going to really do up this presentation in a whole new way. I'm going to add music. I'm going to add design elements. I'm going to do what I can in that in, in the in the sphere that I can control, right? Or I want to be in a more collaborative work environment. Great, I'm just gonna set up a coffee for everyone to 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 gather and like have fun. So there's things you can do right now without making any huge changes that really make you feel like the person you want to be. And once you start doing that, that is where confidence comes from because you recognize how powerful you are and how much influence you can have over your own experience without permission from anyone. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I, I'm, my question comes up is, so how can you bring this confidence as an individual and transfer it into a team aspect? Um, a lot of people are probably listening today and are managers or supervisor leading some sort of team. So how can you take your individual confidence that you're growing on and bring that to a team and help them grow as well? Well, I think that as a leader, 
first of all, your emotions are more contagious than other people's. So they've done all this interesting research that shows that leaders are just like the flu. We can spread our emotions and leaders just have a higher contagion effect, which is fascinating. And, and so it really is important for you to be clear on who you are as a leader and to be able to communicate that. And I think you, that's the first thing is modeling the behavior that you want others to embody. And so you can do this work. I think for, for leaders, it's really important to do team charters, which is getting clear on your mission as a team, your vision, your values, creating agreements for how you want to behave and common language and have that in writing because if you have that articulated then it's much easier to have these conversations and hold each other accountable so there what one thing that i teach is nonviolent communication which is a we cover that in the webinar where we talk about Okay, so now that you're doing all that inner work and you've primed yourself for showing up most powerfully and authentically and, you know, you're being who you want to be, okay, so now what do you actually say? And I think it's really important when we go into conversations, one of the key principles around nonviolent communication is you always start with the facts. (laughs) I know this is a hot topic in the news right now, right? (laughs) What is a fact? But but you start with an observation without interpretation. So for example, if Sam is always showing up late, um, actually let's get clear on the facts. When did he show up late? Oh, he showed up late uh, three days last week, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And he showed up late by 20 minutes. Okay, so the thing I wanna, the way I start my conversation with Bob or Dave, I don't remember what name I used, is not, hey, what's up? You're showing up late all the time, right? Because that's going to put him on the offensive because he's like, all the time? I've been, I've had an impeccable record of showing up on time. Yeah, last week there was a blip, you know, I just had a baby, right? So I've been, it's been hard for me to get out of work in the morning. So you start with the facts and you would say, hey, I noticed you were late Tuesday, Thursday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So that way, when we start with the facts, we at least open a door and we can kind of keep it pried open for a sec so that we can have a dialogue. And then the next step, what you want to do is express your feelings about that event. So for example, by Bob showing up late all the time, or sorry, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, it, it, it stresses me out. Now, we have to own our feelings when we have these conversations because maybe for Nancy, she couldn't care less that Bob showed up late. But it stresses me out because I'm a control freak. And so in order for me to feel a sense of organization and to feel on top of my workflow, because I work with Bob, if I don't see him in the office at nine, it stresses me out. So I need to tell him his impact, that he's having the impact of his actions and, and how it's impacting me. And so I share, hey, Bob, you know, when you were late last week, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, it made me really anxious. So I state my feeling. And then I share, what do I need in order to thrive? Right. And this is why it's so important for you to do your vision. And by the way, if you guys need help figuring out your vision and how you want to be, go to visiongenerator.com. That's a free exercise I created. It's 
super valuable. It's what I do with all of my clients. It's the first thing when we start to work together. So you can get it at visiongenerator.com. So once you have a clear sense of what you need to thrive, then you can say, well, you know, I really need a sense of organization and order and predictability so that I can really fulfill my end of our tasks. So, so could you please, and then the final piece of having that difficult conversation is making a specific request. And your specific request has to be like furniture instructions, like hopefully no room for interpretation, right? So instead of telling Bob, could you please be on time? Like in his head, Bob's like, dude, I'm on time. This is not a problem. So <laughs> yeah, fine. I'll be on time. Like whatever. But what I need to, what I actually need to say and spell out for Bob is like, Hey, if you're going to be running late for more than 10 minutes, send me a quick text. This way I can prepare the status report myself and get a head start. Right? So we're getting really specific, but none of that is going to work Bob isn't even going to listen to you if you go into that conversation in your mind, not in not in your words, but in your mind being like, Bob, you're so irresponsible. Why can't you get your act together? You're late all the time. So it, it's about your energy and going in and being like, hey, I really want to understand what's going on. I really want to communicate what's going on for me so that we can figure out a better way to work together. So that's kind of the tone that we want to strike. And if you, if you can't strike that tone, one of my clients, she's in learning and development. She was a client of mine and she said, it's like the pass the butter tone. You know, when you're at a dinner table and you're like, hey, can you pass, pass the butter? It's not like you're like, oh my God, can you please pass the butter? And you're also not like, hey, pass the butter, right? It's just like cool, calm, peaceful. Like we're all here having dinner together. And that's kind of the tone we want to have going into this. I like that. <laughs> Easy to remember. Yeah. yeah. I am always asking for more butter. <laughs> um, Stella, we really do appreciate your time. Um, unfortunately, we are getting a little short on that. I got to ask before we let you go, is there anything you think that our audience needs to know about having difficult conversations um, that we haven't covered yet? Well, I think that the hardest work, like I said, is that inner work. And the most difficult conversation we often have to have is a conversation with ourselves mm -hmm. and to really get clear on what is really going on for me here. Is, is it really about the money or is it about just feeling appreciated? Is it really about him being late or is it about me not feeling like a true partner on this team? So it's about getting clear on how is it that you want to be showing up and how can you move towards that? often our conversations are driven by what we want to stop, what we want to avoid, what we want, what we, what we don't want to happen, right? That's the way our mind works. It's about escaping the bad or stopping the threatening experience. But that isn't going to land us into a place of fulfillment and happiness. What's going to land us there is not just avoiding the bad, but consciously moving towards the good. And so that's why I encourage people to get clear on their vision first, because that will really inform you on what you should actually be talking about. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. Where can our listeners get in touch with you and, and learn more about you and your company? So uh, the Vision Generator, if you download that at visiongenerator.com, uh, you'll get my free tool plus um, I'll put you on my list so that we can get in touch. And you can always just reply to 
any single one of my emails. You could also check out my website, whoopa.com. That's W-O-O-P-A-A-H dot com. Um, and, and yeah, I, I answer all my emails and I, I strongly suggest for anyone, the vision generator is your first step. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we know how busy you must be, so it really does. Uh, we really do appreciate that you took the time to meet with us today. Yes, My thank pleasure. you. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's discussion with Stella Grazant. Here are three takeaways from this week's interview. First, emotion is contagious. Master your mindset before you have a difficult conversation. Second, before approaching a difficult conversation, figure out exactly what you want. And third, act like the person that you want to be. This podcast is brought to you by Biz Library, your online learning partner. For more information, visit us online at www.bizlibrary.com resources. Every week, we like to spotlight one of the free resources Biz Library offers to help our listeners master the concepts and our key takeaways. This week, check out our free on-demand webinar presented by Stella Grisant called How to Master Difficult Conversations at Work. You can find the link to this webinar in the show notes or on the Biz Library website on the resources page. If you'd like to appear on the Biz Library podcast or suggest a topic for discussion, visit us on Twitter at BizLibrary or email us at hannah at bizlibrary.com. Don't forget to click subscribe, leave a rating on iTunes, and share this episode with friends through social media. Thanks for listening, and until next time, I'm Derek Smith. And I'm Hannah Brenner. See you next week.